now come to hear your word, both read and preached to us. Lord, uh, prepare our hearts, settle our hearts. Well, we thank you so much for your word that is so available to us here in Australia. We ask that you will teach us, encourage us, and strengthen us. And if some of us aren't saved, may you encourage us to come to you for salvation. Save our souls. Lord, our God. Amen. Thanks. Jane. The Bible reading today is John 1, 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but he, his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Sorry, now that we're a grandparent, I'm just reminding you, you've got to train your kids young to put things back where you found them. You know, you find the door open, leave it open or closed. If the toilet lids up, you just always put it down, don't you? Anyway, um, it's great to be here this morning. And look, wherever you've come from, um, yeah, travelled from, wherever you find yourself in life, in thinking uh, about meaning, about purpose, about God, about life, about death, it's really great um, that we can be here this morning. So that question that I just hinted at, um, just as we 
got into uh, uh, that chat with Duncan earlier is we're always becoming someone or something, aren't we? I mean, who have you become so far in your life? What have you become? Uh, Who or what are you trying to still become? Just think about it. How much effort it takes just to become born. (laughs) Um, And I'm not even going to try and summarise that. You can talk to the the women here. But... um, it's, it's effort, isn't it? And then, and then suddenly you've got a baby. And then suddenly babies becoming toddlers and toddlers becoming children and then, then they're becoming teenagers and teenagers becoming adults, hopefully. Hopefully one day, maybe moving out of home, you know, becoming independent. But, you know, we spend so much time, effort, energy, sacrifice, educating uh, our loved ones so that they can find their place in this world, um, becoming employed. But then, you know, stuff happens. You know, sometimes you can't become employed. Um, You're unemployed or you become retrenched. Uh, We become retired. Uh, We become parents. We become uh, married, divorced. We become separated, perhaps even remarried. But we're always becoming something or someone. Until one day, I can say this very definitively, that whatever age you are, we will all become dead. See, we're always becoming someone or something. Who or what have you become so far in your life? Who or what are you trying to become at the moment? And seriously, like look yourself in the mirror, how is that really working out for you? We do. You think about the extraordinary amount of energy, money, time that you've spent trying to become successful, happy, educated, debt-free. But why? Why? Duncan asked earlier, there I was when I grew up on a dairy farm, very busy parents taking us across to a little church across the river when they could. I sort of walked away from the idea of God and and that when I was about 13. Uh, I thought life's much more fun, uh, just better do it, you know, much more interesting, exciting, uh, just doing what I wanted, when I wanted. But there I was, 23, 24 years old, you know, first year of work as a medical intern, after six years of study, finally earning um, you know, so much more money than I ever thought of, you know, great friends, a career path ahead, you know, girls, friends, money, skiing holidays to New Zealand. I'd always wanted that single, you know, um, uh, single ski, you know, went and got that. I'd always wanted, you know, that really good sounding, you know, hi-fi system, went and got that. And, but what was this growing sense of emptiness inside? Like, hang on, this is not how it's meant to be. You know, come on, I've arrived. I'm finally getting what I wanted getting all this stuff. What's this emptiness? And then seeing people, young and old, um, dying in front of you as a, as a young 23, 24-year-old. I mean, that, that's just sobering. Uh, it's, it's like a shirt front. Um, that We've all got used-by-date stickers, don't we? I don't know about you, but I don't know what date's written on mine or time or place, when, where. One of my favourite... Bands I finally got to see live was U2. They penned a timeless question, didn't they? And, you know, just, again, jump in front of the mirror. Before you go to sleep tonight, start singing this song, looking yourself in the eye. Have you found what you're looking for yet? Really, truly, have you? It brings us to why Jesus and why John's Gospel. Jesus explains why he's come in John chapter 10, He says, I've come so that people, any person, may have life and have it to the full. Or the words like, in abundance, overflowing. 
Now, do you notice the words that Jesus doesn't use there? I've come so that people can have a busy life. <laughs> I've come so that people can have a flat-out life. No, 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 life to the full, life in abundance. And again, what word would you use to best sum up your life at the moment? Honestly. At the end of his gospel biography about Jesus, John the Eyewitness, he explains why it's good to read, and this is why it's good to, you know, if it's been a while, go home and read John's gospel. I've got one here if you, you know, don't have one. Um, Here's sort of a paraphrase of what John, he tells us why he's writing. But these things about Jesus are written so that you, the reader, may believe that Jesus really is God's designated saviour, leader for humanity. That he's the son of God and that by believing in Jesus, you, even you, may have this abundant life in his name. And here's why you know, God, it's good for me, why every man, woman and child need to have this life and you get it by believing in Jesus. But what is this life and why do we need it and how do I get it and Again, one of my favourite bike rides when we stay down here um, with a mate is we ride up to Crow's Nest Lookout there, up Crow's Nest Hill. Beautiful panoramic view all the way down to Gore over Port Elliot. Um, That's a little bit like what these first 18 sentences are in John's Gospel. They're like a panorama. They're like a magnificent overview introducing some key truths about Jesus. And there's particularly three that I want to touch on this morning. John the writer wants to show us the truth of who Jesus is. So, so the truth of Jesus, his identity, his person, his why, so that we can know the goodness of why Jesus has come and know the glory of what he's done so that we can become a child of God and know God and have this abundant life in God's name. So that first point, the truth of who Jesus is. Now, let's be honest here, this is a good conversation over a cuppa, actually maybe over the church picnic, Okay. All right, who had nicknames growing up? Anyone? Yeah, yeah. I collected quite a few. Um, this, these are not to be uploaded, by the way. Uh, but Jono, John Boy, Butch, Herbie. Um, but anyway, we, we know what nicknames are, and, and people give them to them because they sort of, they sort of it, it catches something about who we are, our identity. I'm wondering if you picked up those nicknames of Jesus in those opening sentences. Let me just remind us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of humans. And then we read a bit further down in verse 14 that this Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus, the word, the light, the life. Like our nicknames, Jesus' nicknames, they tell us something about his identity, his credentials, if you like. And, I mean, what a CV. What a CV there. The word was in the beginning. The word was before the Big Bang, if there was one. In the words of one of my kids' favourite movies, in the words of Buzz Lightyear, is anyone with me here? To infinity and... Oh, gee, come on. Here we go. One, two, three. To infinity and beyond. Now, what a nonsensical statement. How can you go beyond infinity? (laughs) Think about it. (laughs) 
But the point John's making here is that this word has never not been, has no beginning. See, your life, my life, the thing we all have in common as human beings, just like a piece of string, we have a beginning and we have an end. But not this word. No beginning, no end. Because this word who became human was, is and will always be God. No beginning, no end. If there is a sort of beyond infinity, Jesus the word is there. All that we can see in the cosmos and all we can't was made through this word who has become a human being. Just think about that. Pretty big stuff to think about on a Sunday morning, I know. All that has, is and will ever exist in the cosmos, all that we've managed to discover so far through our telescopes, radioscopes, microscopes, electronic scopes, and all that we haven't yet, all made in through by this word, this Jesus, exists being sustained through and by this word. And it seems it goes with every, every cell in the universe, every cell in our bodies, every human being, every synapse, every, every breath that you've taken so far this morning, all a gift in and through and by this word, this Jesus. Like you, I was once a baby. You can t- tell me how cute I was later. Anyway, I, I've helped make a baby. But a planet, a sun, a solar system, the universe, like wow. The Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to some Christians in, in Colossae and he sums up the truth like this. Uh, For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, how would you sum up the point being made here? Four times? All things. (laughs) Whatever we can see, whatever we can't, whatever we discover, whatever we haven't, By him, through him, for him, in him. Now just think about this for a moment. Next time you're wondering what you should do today or why am I getting out of bed today or what is really the point of life. Two words. For him. For him. You've got to keep saying it. For him. For Jesus. The whole point, God gave me life, gave me breath. The whole reason I was became a baby, the whole reason of becoming anything, for him, for him, so that I might know the abundant life that only can come from living each day for Jesus. And how's that going for you? I suspect we've got to, again, like every time there's a crowd, there's people who think and believe all sorts of things about God and Jesus. We're only, we're only a few sentences in. John, the writer, he's just getting started, but let's keep going. So we think more about the significance of this other nickname I haven't touched on yet. The word. The word. Words are powerful, aren't they? Words build up and they tear down. Really powerful. But we're also using words to bring our ideas and the, the deepest passions of our heart into being, aren't we? Don't we use words to become? Whether it's a career, a garden, a house, a relationship, a child, we're using words all the time to invite, 
into relationship, to, to create and to sustain relationships. Now, on July the 5th, 1993, I spoke these words to Guido. Um, we were sitting in Mount Lofty Gardens up there. Will you marry me? Now, a bit of context here. Uh, I just picked her up after she'd been overseas on a three weeks holiday. She got on the plane thinking there possibly wasn't a future together. Um, I wanted to go and be a missionary in Africa. She said, what? You know? Anyway, I love giving a good surprise. Um, just, Gita's not here. Just look, she doesn't like surprises, okay? Just quietly. Anyway, she made me ask her again, will you marry me? Um, on February the 5th, 1994, at Trinity Church Adelaide, Gita and I used words to enter into a marriage relationship. Um, at that point, using words... Uh, we formed a new covenant bond. We started a new family under God. Our yes and promise to one another was saying no to every other other. Funny story. Um, weeks and weeks she'd be going out every few weeks, you know, for the dress fitting and stuff. And uh, anyway, when the doors opened off first for Gita, like, whoa, she's wearing a sari. Whoa, that's six metres of silk. Hang on a minute, you don't need dress fitting. You don't need a dress fitting. Well, what were you doing? Oh, no, we'll just stop having drinks. Yeah, um, there you go. But here's the point. Are not the really important words that you have said in your life and that have been said to you, are they not the words that have most changed and impacted your life? The words that are the anchors in your life, the words that you celebrate and remember, It's no different with God. This word, his most precious life-changing word to us, in, through, by whom, for whom we have our existence, this word has become flesh. This word, in time, in place, in person, in history, this word, you're going to be talking about that next week, aren't you? Remembering that first Easter, the whole point of this word becoming flesh, giving his life so that we could have life. Now, using words, we made plans to have children. Our word plans really have become flesh, literally. Here's our expanding family of children, grandchildren. Priya's not there. We've got to update the photo. Let's not forget the dog. Now, why do we have children? All sorts of good reasons to have kids, if you're thinking about it still. Sell them, make money. Live our failed dreams through them, you know. Maybe put them to work. The reason we've invested so much in educating them because we do want them to have good jobs so they can support us in our retirement. Hmm, actually, that's not a bad idea, Duncan. Of course, look, that's just mercenary. It's, it's just so unhuman, isn't it? Unloving. But of, the reason we had children is because we want to know them. We want to enjoy being in loving and right relationship with them. But also that our children might really enjoy knowing and being in right relationship with us and, and, and being family. And let me ask you, we know this in all the brokenness and the hardness and the trials, the tribulations and just the muck and the yuck of this world and disease and death. We still know deep down that at the heart of it all, the heartbeat of life, the real treasure, the, the marrow of life, it's relationships, isn't it? You know, when those relationships are humming and you just, 
you know, you lose track of time, you, you know, you're just so in the moment. I've got to say, being a grandparent, I've just, I've forgotten what it was like to sort of see the world through little eyes, to, to sort of, to be slowed down, to really be in the moment. It's so precious and special. It brings us to the goodness of why Jesus. Why Jesus? John the writer tells us that when we had the chance to roll out the red carpet for our creator, when he turns up in person, um, in his own son, that humanity got together to shut the door in his face and we rejected him. So again, from sentences 10 and 11, the true light that gives light to every person was coming into the world. He was in the world and through though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I mean, yeah, to not receive someone is one thing, but not, but not even recognise who they are. Why? Well, because we prefer our words to God's words so much. We prefer doing life on my terms, on our terms, my way, don't we? I mean, there's even songs about that, you know, I did it my way. I, I've lost count the number of times I've heard that song sung at the end of a funeral. I did it my, you know. So caught up in and enslaved by our own life and worries and agendas and dreams, trying to live life on our words, we not only rejected so this is not sort of like, you know, the nominal, this is like full-on rejection. We rejected, we ejected the creator from the world, didn't even recognise our maker. Now, let me ask you a question. That's not just sad, but dumb, isn't it? Who knows who this is? Anyone? Yell it out. Yeah, big Mike. Mike Tyson. World heavyweight boxing champion who once bit off an opponent's ear. Now, um, someone who has been dubbed the world's bravest or dumbest burglar decided they would break in to Mike Tyson's hotel room while he was sleeping. They tried to steal his, his belts. Iron Mike woke up. The guy could not get out there quick enough. He, he did escape with his life, but that's not just dumber than dumber. It's dangerous, isn't it? Like, Seriously? But friends, trying to steal from a world heavyweight boxer is one thing while he's sleeping. Trying to steal from the creator of the universe, trying to break, try, not recognising, not, not receiving Jesus for who he is, the giver of your life, that's, that's a whole new category of dumb and dangerous, isn't it? Now you might be thinking, hang on, where's the goodness of Jesus in telling me this? <laughs> Well, while it's hard to hear, I don't know about you, but the older I get, I'm increasingly thankful when someone has the care and the courage to come and say, hey, John, you know what you just said and did? Oh, that really hurt me. That made me so angry. And I care about you and I care about that relationship enough that I don't want this to break the relationship. See, part of the attraction of Jesus as being the word, the true truth of God, is he's coming to let us know the true state of affairs between you and God, between people and God. And the whole point is out of God's immeasurable love for us, his compassion toward us, because God himself, he's coming personally to actually fix up that mess, to do something about the brokenness, and in particularly to warn us 
What will happen if we go to our graves not recognising and receiving Jesus? When this person dies, and friends, I promise you, we're going to die. But when we die, Jesus says it's him we're standing before. He, he, he is the great cosmic auditor of every human being that we're going to find ourselves standing before. This person who dis, doesn't recognise and receive Jesus before they die, they'll hear the words, who are you? I don't know you. Go away. You're not welcome. You will miss out on this abundant life with Jesus. If the, and look, if this is new, uh, it's hard, it's unsavoury to hear, I know, but if it's new to some of us this morning, one of the things I love it when someone breaks into my busyness and my world and says, well, hang on, John, slow down. <laughs> You've just said and done something that's really uh, put our relationship in a fair bit of threat and danger here. Well, it, it gives me the opportunity to respond and do something about it, doesn't it? To be contrite. Oh, what have I done? I'm so sorry. Oh, please forgive me. To actually do something to try to mend this relationship. And that's the whole point of why Jesus now, because you can, we can, any person can, despite how God says you failed to love and honour him, how you've treated him up to this point, Jesus is God offering any person the chance of forgiveness, any chance to, to be reconciled, to, to become a beloved child in his family, to, to actually know God, to know this abundant life now, starting right now, today. And it's there that takes us to this the epicenter, that it's, it's so beautiful what's here, verses 12 and 13. Yet to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Now this is not born of natural descent, it's, it's adoption language. That, that's what's on view here. There may be some of you here who, who know about this sort of language, if you're a foster child or you've had foster children or, or maybe you're adopted. It's about a relationship that was once non-existent, a relationship that actually has no right to exist, yet a relationship that is now enjoying all the benefits and privileges of being someone's child and part of their family. That's what adoption is. It helps us appreciate just the sheer wonder and goodness of God's love for humans in Jesus. I'm going to try and just give us a little glimpse. It's so hard, seriously, to, to illustrate how spectacular um, what we're being told here. Now, who's this behind me on the screen? Yell it out. Come on. Yeah, guys. You're about to have a picnic with three-legged races. You'll be cheering and screaming. Who's up here on the screen? Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, great. What movie? Yeah. Now, sadly, they're not together anymore, but actors Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, they've got six children, six, three of which were adopted. Did you know that? Maddox was adopted from Cambodia. Pax was adopted from Vietnam. Zahara was adopted from Ethiopia. All three were once refugee orphan babies, children stuck in orphanages, no rights, no future, no family. 
Angeline Jolly, she went the distance to go to their country at her expense. She found them, she chose them, paid all the legal adoption costs so that Maddox, Pax and Zahara are now fully legitimate children of Angeline Jolly and Brad Pitt. Now they've also got three naturally born children. Maddox, Pax, Zahara were unnaturally born. That's what's being illustrated here in John 1. Now here's the, here's the kicker. All six children have the same inheritance rights to Jolly and Pitt's estimated worth of? Anyone? It's over about 400 million. That's not bad, being dumped by parents, being an orphan, no future, no... But see, like Maddox packs Sahara, so Jesus comes into a world full of orphan, rebel refugees who do not know God, who don't want to know God, who are without any rights from God except judgment and eternity away from God, and who have no future with God. But so great is God's love for you and I, for rebel humanity, that whoever receives God's Son as their Lord and their Saviour, God gives that person the right to become one of his children instantaneously. To become a child in God's family with all the legal rights and all the privileges to inherit this abundant resurrection life with Jesus immediately. How can this be? Well, it brings us to the glory. The glory of what Jesus has done. Truth, goodness, glory. See, by glory, John the writer means all that's stunning, that leaves us breathless in awe and adoration. Now, um, I'm going to say this humbly because I haven't played yet this weekend. Why is the Eddie Betts Pocket called the Eddie Betts Pocket? At Adelaide Oval? If you've ever seen some of the... the like, it's quite amazing. But look, we get it, don't we? It's, it's like the weight of someone, the glory. It's when they, you get to see their true colours or, you know, their character, their competencies, what, you know... And that's what this is all about. The glory came full of grace and truth. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. From the, the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. And, and what's on view here is just its character. It's, it's, it's his integrity. It's how he lived his life. It's how he loved, he served, his guy. It's everything about who Jesus is. Now, grace is a word that just means, very simply, receiving what you don't deserve. Receiving what you could never buy. Receiving what you could never earn or never merit. Otherwise, it wouldn't be grace. That's what grace is. Undeserved favour. Which, of course, is why grace is the word that captures most beautifully God's undeserved adoption of us into his family. Just like those three jolly kids. They didn't deserve it. It was purely out of the mercy of you know, Jolly and, and, and what she did. How much more the God of the universe. And remember I said this sort of becoming a child is instantaneously. How can that be? Well, because Jesus' large words from his cross in John's gospel is, it is finished. It's completed. The work my father gave for me to complete, it is finished. It is done. 
all the adoption costs are paid. And once they're paid, you are forever fully a child in God's family. It's why any human being, God's given any human being, he's given them his his authority to take up your God-given right, even today, to become a child of God and his family and start enjoying this abundant life that comes getting out of bed and living for Jesus. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, we'd be here for three months if I started to hang out all my laundry. Like, look, whatever you've done, whatever you've become, anyone can be forgiven, all forgiven, washed away, become a child of God for those who believe in Jesus. Well, as we finish, we began with this question, who will you become? What have you become? But the really important question today is, have you yet become a child of God? Will you? You've spent your whole life becoming all sorts of things and no doubt a whole lot more of it. And some, I suspect, at unimaginable cost and sacrifice. Mentioned Glenn and Beth with their five kids up at Roxby Downs. Glenn wasn't always a Christian as well as a young man. His first job was out working at one of the radio telescopes out there in um, western New South Wales. Uh, The guy in his, I think, early 30s who was running the youth group out there, who he worked with, was the only one who befriended him in, in the workplace. Turns out he was a Christian. He ran the local youth group. He could see that Glenn was searching, that he was lost, that he was trying to find life in stuff. And Glenn certainly thought that's where you, found, you earned money to buy stuff. And you know, Anyway, he started hanging out, went along, and, and, and over time he, he, he picked up a gospel and he read about this Jesus and just showed him just the empty life he was living, that he, he was in a cul-de-sac doing burnouts. He was never going to get out of there. He was never going to find life that way. And so he gave his life to Jesus. <laughs> now he's in Roxby Downs, four and a half thousand people, you know, with his kids. And, and he said, oh, these mining towns are amazing. Because, of course, they pay for everything. They pay for living, tra- everything. Whatever money you earn, it's your money. And people go there looking for life. You want to earn fast money, you go live in a mining town. You want to earn big money quick, you go live in a mining town. But he said he's never met so many empty people, broken people, families falling apart, as he, have, as he has in Roxby. He said it's like looking in the mirror at himself as a younger man. And he says, as he says, why would I take my five children into the middle of the desert <laughs> to a mining town? Because they need to know the whole point of lies is, is Jesus that there's another way for Jesus, for Jesus. They've been made to know God. The only way they're going to find the life they're looking for is in Jesus. That's why he's there. Friends, the point of your life is the point of Jesus. It's to become a child of God, to know God and to know this abundant life. How might you do this? It's pretty simple. Whether it's today or sometime over the weekend, you become a child of God by talking to God in prayer from, from, from your heart of hearts. 
And it would go something like this, saying sorry for having not received Jesus, thanking God for sending Jesus so that you could be forgiven, so that all your adoption costs could be paid to become one of his beloved children in his family forever, to enjoy resurrection life with him now and forever. Sorry, thank you, please. We, we know what we've got to say to mend a broken relationship, don't we? <laughs> There's no different. No different with the God of the universe. Let me pray for us now. Merciful Heavenly Father, these opening 18 sentences in John's Gospel are, oh, they're just like a bottomless treasure. We've really only begun to scratch the surface of them this morning to see something of the truth of your Son, the goodness of Jesus and, and the glory of what he's done for us. But please will you help all of us, wherever we're at in our life and thinking and, and faith with you, just help us to not leave it here. Uh, for those of us who've lost some of the wonder of what it means to be a child of God, please will you reinvigorate our lives, our hearts, our purpose to live in response to this wonder. And for any here this morning, whatever age or stage of life they're up to, who, uh, who haven't yet taken up this beautiful invitation, I would just pray that you would help them, uh, to be honest with themselves, with you, to, to work out how to take that next step for them. Uh, because, Father, there is no greater invitation or urgent invitation that we each need to take up. And I want to pray this for their salvation, for our good, for, for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.